Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Give me a drink. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Thank you. This story we pick up today is quite a contrast to the story we heard last week. Last week we heard about Nicodemus. Nicodemus who is a Jewish religious authority and an aristocrat among those in Jerusalem and Palestine. Well-known, well-loved, affluent family, 
No one had a bad thing to say about Nicodemus. He lived good. He lived the right life. He was a, he was a good guy, did things. People would have said he's a righteous fellow. He's, uh, he, he's a, a good citizen and one who, a nice guy. Everyone loved Nicodemus, perhaps. And uh, he was what we would call an insider, right? He was in side which is probably why he was trying to persuade jesus to also kind of jump in with the insiders and think and feel and act like they do but uh he got a whole different confrontation going on there as we recall from last week this week we don't meet an insider we meet someone who couldn't be further outside we meet a woman at the well uh jesus has come along i don't know why jesus is by himself but he's looking for a drink and he comes across a woman not only is she which uh, you know what can i say in, in first century palestine they didn't treat women all that well they didn't really think that they uh, had much to contribute and in fact it was sinful for jesus to talk to a woman by himself at a well midday like that the other thing is she was a samaritan now samaritans were kind of outside too they were people now samaritans they, if you were to ask them, they would say, yeah, we're Jews. We're Jews. But the Jews would say, no, they're not Jews. They're not Jews at all. They, they don't worship the same God. In fact, they have, different, they have a different Scripture than we do. They have different rules. They use the same language, but they have different rules than we do. No, they're not Jewish. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> so they're way outside and the the good god-fearing jews of the time they they didn't consider them to be inside they considered them to be some other religion beyond judaism and uh so again it was sinful for jesus to be talking to a samaritan there's also this thing, many commentators have made uh, much out of the fact that this woman is coming to the well in the middle of the day by herself. Now, this isn't normally how things happen. Propriety would say that, well, first of all, you want to get your water early in the morning and then you go out in, around dusk. You get your water two times a day. You go early in the morning so you have your water for the day and before it gets too hot. Because these poor women who didn't have much to contribute had to lug around these giant jars of water. I don't know what the men were doing, but the women were lugging around these large jugs of water all day. And so they tried to do it early in the morning, and they did it at dusk when it was a little cooler, so they had water for the evening. And they, they travel in packs, much like they do now, right? <laughs> they, travel, they travel in packs and come together... Uh, a whole gaggle of women would go get water and then they might carry it all between and then get a little help going on, right? So they, they traveled together because that was safe, because then you couldn't get it be up to no good, right? You, no one would be, Jesus wouldn't be talking to a whole pack of women. Uh, there'd be some woman who would stop that, right? Some one of the other, one of the, one of the folks who had some wisdom, right? <laughs> who would, would put a stop to that nonsense. So this woman's there by herself at noon, which suggests that maybe she wasn't welcome in the gaggle that went in the morning, which suggests that maybe she was a woman that, that engaged in some stuff that uh, other women didn't like. 
In other words, maybe she'd been shut out of that group. Well, so three strikes right there. She was an outsider three times. And Jesus approaches her. And they have, they have this conversation. Here's this woman who's drawing water from the well. And Jesus, Jesus starts the conversation by asking for something. Give me a drink. I'm thirsty. And I note that Jesus never gets his drink <laughs> in this story because the story goes off in a whole different direction. If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me for what I have to give you. And it was as if, I think I can, you know, it was as if this woman were looking for something, obviously. And she drew, the well becomes this symbol of all the things that she draws from to try and become whole, to try and find herself, to try and become someone she wants to become. It's as if she draws out of that well and tries to find happiness and joy and fulfillment. And she's been looking, like so many of us look. Jesus says, go get your husband. Well, I don't really have a husband. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm aware of that. <laughs> True, you do not have a husband. In fact, you've gotten around quite a bit, haven't you? And the guy you're with now isn't your husband, which probably explains why you're here at noon. And it's as if Jesus is saying, I know. I know what you've been doing. I know. Not and The way I just said that sounds condemning. But I think it's more, I know what you've been through. I know what you are, all the effort and the hunger in your heart. And I know how many times you've given your heart away and it's been crushed. And I know how many times you have gone in a direction that turned out to be hurtful and painful and ugly and hateful. I know that you are searching and searching and you keep looking for love in all the wrong places. Sounds like a song. And you're coming up empty and still you thirst for wholeness, for fulfillment, for the real deal. And you're not finding it. Oh, how many of us can relate on some level to this poor woman who's been, who's, whether by her own actions or by society, has been shoved out and is left wanting, left longing, left without and how many times have we looked to different things for satisfaction? How many times do we look for love only to have that love taken away? How many times do we look for security, just the security uh, that we can know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, and the next day, only to, know that, only to find out that that's not so secure? Jobs go away. We lose them. Homes go away. Things are taken away. There is no 
security? How many times do we try to conquer something that just chains us? How many times do we have to start over and try again? I get the feeling this woman tried at least five times for security, for love, for fulfillment. Yet she thirsts. Thirsts. Jesus comes to her and says, I have water. I have water that will satisfy. That will leave you not dry again. But will turn you into a a fountain that overflows with water. Now she's intrigued by that. Tell me what that's about, Jesus. Well, it's not... It's not water that's found in the arms of another man. It's not security in a job. It's not fulfillment in making a paycheck. It's not fulfillment in physical relationships or even just relationships that aren't going to last. It's not in giving your heart away to someone. It's in giving yourself over to God. It's in feeling, embracing all that God has in store for you. And up until this day, up until this person, Jesus, this woman has been told, you, don't, you can't have that. You are outside of that. You can't have God's love. You can't be in God's family. You can't have a relationship with the Creator. And Jesus says, that's not right. Wrong. I'm here to tell you that you can have that. And you deserve that. And I want to give that to you. And there's something about Jesus saying to her, I know your situation. It's as if Jesus is saying, you know what, I know the things you've done the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's as if in that one phrase, she could tell, you you know everything, don't you? And in spite of knowing all of that, Jesus looks to her and says, but I love you anyway. Without condition, without exception, you are worthy to be part of God's family just embrace it in fact she has the rare privilege of being one of the few people in the gospel of john and in fact the first person in the gospel of john where jesus uses an i am statement remember where the term where we first hear i am In Hebrew, it's Yahweh, right? In Exodus, when Moses says, you know, I'm going to go to the Egyptians, but who do I tell them sent me? God says, tell them I am sent you, Yahweh. 
Jesus says, when she says, are you the Messiah? Jesus says, I am he. He only does it a couple more times. And the last time he does it, in the last chapter 19 or something like that, when he says, I am, it causes 600 soldiers to fall back onto the ground. What a privilege. What is, she, what is he saying that she, he is revealing himself to her in a way he's never revealed himself to anyone? I think he's saying, you are worthy of God's love, God's acknowledgement, and God's acceptance. In fact, I'm revealing things to you that even those even Nicodemus didn't get to hear. <laughs> and you know, I think for all of us, we need to hear this from, from God that I know who you are. I know what you've been through. I know the struggles. I know the pain. I know the many times you've been disappointed. I know the many times you've been hurt. I know the many times you've been the one hurting. I know the many times that you've lied to yourself and to others. I know the many times that you've been lazy and selfish. I know what you, who you are at your very core. And what I'm here to tell you is God loves you anyway. So much that Jesus came and died on a cross and rose from the dead. God's not holding back anything. So much are you worthy of God's love that God did not even hold back Jesus on a cross. You need to hear that. Sometimes I don't think we believe it. Sometimes I think we've, we talked about this a little bit in the parable class this morning. Sometimes we feel like a fraud because we have these secrets. We have these dark places. We have these things we don't want anyone to see or know. Sometimes we slink off to the well in the middle of the day so no one sees us. We can't be rejected or hurt put out but God sees us loves us beyond anything we can imagine invites us to receive that love to accept that love this woman was compelled was was moved was converted <laughs> was convicted and she embraced never again would anyone tell her she did not belong never again would anyone tell her she didn't know god's love never again would someone tell her she was on the outside in fact she went back and she told everyone she knew and that whole community came to know Jesus. He stayed an extra two days just because she talked him up so much. <laughs> Spent a couple of days there. Never again would she be on the outside because Jesus brought her in. Over this Lent, as we allow the Spirit to search our hearts, as we experience, as we come in touch with, as we acknowledge for ourselves how much we've been outside. I pray that you let Jesus 
bring you in. Draw you in. Satisfy your thirst. Fill you to overflow. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, how incredible your love is how incredible this woman's testimony is you have revealed who you are in this story the very essence of god reaching out one person at a time even me Help me. Help us to embrace a life in you, receiving that living water that we may never thirst again. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ.